Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce Grant Pruitt. He's the co-founder, president, and managing director of White Box Real Estate. Good evening, Grant. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for being here. Well, kick us off with the why. Why did you and the co-founder uh, start White Box Real Estate? So there was a huge uh, void due to uh, a shift in the industry and to be quite candid. Um, the work that I had done is, is what historically real estate companies had done for 50 years, 100 years. And um, there was a huge shift in the industry where the vast majority of the real estate companies were uh, gobbling up other real estate companies. So you saw a lot of um, acquisition. You also saw a, a huge push to move to being publicly traded and or have publicly traded debt. And it makes it really, really difficult to operate a real estate business, specifically one that works with tenants, buyers, users uh, as a publicly traded company. And so what started to happen is I started to seeing a shift as it relates to commercial real estate. And I started to see the real estate businesses get out of the practice that I did, which is the practice of representing tenants, buyers and users of office and warehouse space. Um, and so it it it, um, it it kind of found me, if you will, and, and and the why was because it was the best thing for my clients, and quite frankly, it was the best thing for me. Very good. You answered one of my important questions, which is, let me know the service you provide. So, if I heard you correctly, you represent tenants, buyers, and users in the office and warehouse space. Is that correct? Correct, specifically on their their leases and or acquisitions uh, or dispositions of of commercial real estate. And, and we do it all over. Uh, I, I, it's probably been all 50 states at this point in time. I just know that uh, in one year we did 41 states, six countries, three continents. And I couldn't tell you how many countries, continents, um, almost all. I know we haven't done any work in Antarctica, but we've done work almost all over the globe. That's very cool. And you get to go to these places when you have deals or is it all remote or how do you handle this out of the area? It, it depends. We're client driven. So um, I've been fortunate to go all over God's green earth, make executive platinum, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it, it depends. Um, you know, that's why you have to have uh, a network and really great partners and uh, you know, a lot of it comes just over time engaging in those uh, types of uh, in real estate practices to where you meet people all over. Very good. And what would you say are the top industries that are gobbling up warehouse space right now? There's really three drivers of, of warehouse space. The biggest one is going to be e-commerce. And I don't really see that one changing at this point in time you know I, I laugh when i tell people that there were a few boxes outside of my door prior to covid 
now I have a hard time finding the door because there's so many boxes outside <laughs> of my, my house. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we still only see, you know, 17 to 21% of all uh, retail sales being e-commerce. So that one's going to continue to accelerate. The other driver is still going to be onshoring of manufacturing. Um, you know, there's so many people that are just concerned about the availability of, um, of, of labor, the availability of products, the availability of materials, um, shipping issues, that it just makes more sense to build that here. And sometimes you can get a premium for it. So onshoring and manufacturing. Uh, increased inventory levels was one that we had seen. That's That one has kind of flown through the system. I laugh and I say that's the toilet paper effect and that everybody wanted to have 30% more inventory in order to do that. And then I'd say really what has taken its place is geographic relativity. Uh, you know, obviously rooftops, but also, um, you know, last mile distribution is just the tip of the iceberg. If you look at, um, you know, you're seeing a shift in the transportational nodes, if you will. You know, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. I, I'm in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, that's where I'm sitting right now. And in, in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, it's a great example of what I call a new port city. And everybody laughs and says, what do you mean? And, you know, if you look at uh, cities over the course of time, they've shifted. And, you know, for myself included, but for, you know, 21st century uh, human beings, you think of a port and you think of the ocean and you think of ships. And what's going to be the port going forward isn't going to be an ocean and ships. It's going to be coming out of the air and, you know, conceivably, who knows, it might even come out of, of space. So it's changing what our um, port cities look like based on center of the country. Automation is going to continue to just accelerate that inclusive of automated trucking. And so that's, that's a whole bunch packed into a very short answer, but but th that's what's driving it. Yeah, I definitely can see a lot of changes in uh, distribution of inventory. And I was curious to see if that was going to be part of your answer because so much is going to warehouses and you know, all the people that are doing Amazon reselling and all the manufacturing that's coming back to the United States and more people open up, you know, plants in the United States. If there's any major players, and it may not be a state out, you know, on the, on the show, but any major players, any major industries, you see opening more warehousing, opening more facilities, opening more manufacturing in the United States uh, because they decide to take it from offshore to now made in America again because of some of the uncertainty in shipping and getting things on time and things like that. I don't think you can relegate it to one industry or one or two particular companies. It's it's almost universal at this point in time. Interesting. Now, how, when did you start uh, White Box Real Estate? I started in 2016. 2016. Okay, so over the last you know seven years or so, mm -hmm. as you've grown the business, hired more reps, hired more people to obviously span the globe and help with these deals. Did you find yourself making any mistakes that you go back now and say, man, I learned a very viable lesson from making that mistake. So if you don't mind sharing with the listening audience, just a mistake that comes to mind. Oh. Maybe it's hiring, maybe it's training, maybe it was a certain type of deal. And then what you learn from that mistake. So I think that's very valuable for the audience. I, 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 
I'd like to say that I limit the mistakes, but it, sometimes it just feels like if you can make a mistake, you you have or you will make that mistake. Um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the biggest ones that comes to mind that's that's just so tough for anybody that you know owns and operates a business is the um, you know the the right person in the right seat concept. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's all kinds of literature about it. There's all kinds of books and, and they're, they're, you know, in theory, they're really simple concepts in practice. They're really difficult to implement because, you know, I always tell somebody that, or, or everybody that I haven't ever hired anybody even like, boy, you know, I'm so glad we hired that person. I really hope it doesn't work out. Every time you hire somebody, you hope that that is the, best hire you have ever made in your entire life. And, and there's a little bit of a uh, manager and a supervisor bias where you want those people to perform and excel so badly that you'll, you'll almost do anything to, to, to try and get them there. And, and I've even seen some managers where they're literally carrying these people along. And, um, you know, I, I would say that what comes to mind is, is that particular bias. And sometimes it's just not being in the right seat. And it's really hard because when you hire people, oftentimes you hire them for that particular seat. And then you have to take yourself out and say, is this, you know, is this the right seat for this person? You know, are they capable? Do they get it? Do they want it? Are they better suited for another role and, and make that shift to that particular role? And, you know, sometimes that takes flexibility on the employee's part, too, to understand that you really do want what's best in mind for them. You really do want, uh, you know, what's in their best interest. And, and not everybody wants to be flexible. So that, that's kind of a long-winded answer in a roundabout way of saying the mistake that I've made is, is just being um, – overly optimistic that the people have the skill sets and want to perform when sometimes they're just in complete wrong position. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially right now, with all the labor challenges, I think are going through a lot of the same things or they hire someone as a Band-Aid uh, because they need to keep production going. And it turns out that that hire wasn't a good hire. But I think from every person listening that's a business owner can relate to, it's a lot of work to hire someone. It's a lot of work to train them. And that's why you're so optimistic because you, you're like, hey, if I put a lot of stuff into these people, if I, if I hire hard, if I'm really tough to uh, filter out everybody, training should be easy because I got the right person. And then when I put all my time and effort into them, I know it's going to be gold. I know it's going to be the best hire I've ever had. And then they end up leaving for somebody that's they get paid a dollar more an hour, two dollars more an hour, a little bit more per year. And it's like it's exhausting to start the whole process over again. And it's just one of those things where we, where we have to keep going until we find the right people, like you said, the right people in the right seats. They may have been the right people, but you try to put them in the wrong seat, so it didn't work out. They, they went and left to get a dip, that same seat somewhere else. Well, to your point about, you know, when they leave, you have to start all over again. You know, the lesson in that particular instance, if they leave and you have to start all over again, is you can't take it personally because you have no idea how – uh, your paths may cross again in the future. You, you know, they, they, I'll use your example. Um, 
they leave for a dollar more. You never know. They might come back. You know, the grass is always greener. They try it. It wasn't a fit. And they already know your processes. They already know your systems. They already know how to perform. There's a, a, a certain level of trust and comfort that's already there that's pre-established. And there is some training that you might not have to, to, to do if it was somebody that was completely brand new. So, you know, not taking it personal is the lesson with that one. Yeah, it makes sense. Because again, you do the best you can and sometimes they realize it's not a good fit or you know, they sold you on themselves and you sold them on the job and it just, maybe the culture is not a good fit or maybe they just, it just didn't work out uh, personality wise. And there's a lot of things that you can figure out in a quick amount of time that's just not meant to be. Uh, but I think if you, uh, you know, it's, it's like you want to fill the void, but at the same time, you hope for the best. That's all you can really do. And, uh, you know, and, and just keep doing it. Like you said, don't take it personally. If it doesn't work out, just go on the next person. That's right. And, and, you know, um, if you want one other one, I'll give you one quick one. Sure. Um, don't take shortcuts. That's the biggest thing. If you want to learn a lesson, um, you know, if people will lie to you, they'll cheat. If they'll cheat, they'll steal. And, um, you know, it's tolerating um, what I would consider dishonest um, things that, that, that has never, ever, ever, ever worked out for me. And, and, and that's the biggest, the biggest lesson that I've learned is, you know, you know, you're always in the public eye. You're all, you want the people, one of our core values is integrity. Um, and the reason that integrity is one of our core values is because it is that important. And if somebody doesn't have that, there is no place for them on this bus. Right. That brings up a great question. Um, do you put the core values in a, a, a place in the office? Everybody sees when they first come in, in the conference room. How do you, how do you educate or inform or convey your mission statement, your core values to your employees? So whenever I lead a meeting, I always start off with our mission and our core values because at the end of the, the end of the day that's what it's about so we we actually recite them and if people don't get pumped up about them well then uh, this may not be the right company for them because you know that's what we're passionate about that's what we do um, we do have them in some select places in our offices but you know it's one thing to read them it's one thing to know them by heart and it's a completely different thing to to live them and practice them and so uh I feel like if we can at least recite them as a team and we're mindful of it and we're going over it at least once a week, usually we're going over it more than once a week. Um, it's just reinforced, 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 and, and, and there shouldn't be any question as to what they are. Very good. What's important? Because I think if you, as soon as you let one person spoil the culture, it, it destroys the whole company. So you have to be very, yeah. Uh, aware of that and, and make sure that you do everything you can to preserve that because it's very important. Uh, Grant, walk me through a success story. Obviously in commercial real estate, you got seven years, uh, you're representing tenants and buyers and users uh, in the office and warehouse space. Is there someone that's come to you and is just endlessly looking for an office space or warehouse space, just couldn't find the right thing, wasn't the right space or wasn't the right location? 
and you found the right space for them and they're so happy, their business is booming and all because you made the connection for our space to the right business. And maybe they're keeping on a second or third location because they're having some success as well. <laughs> you don't have enough time on this program for me to talk about those types of successes. That That's is awesome. what we do. Um, honestly, you know, it would be hard for me to point to one in particular because, you know, so our core value, our mission is our passion is your solution. And what that means is it is my goal, my mission in life to positively impact my clients' businesses through real estate. And, and that's really the whole way through because what's a success story to me, you know, there's a, there's, there's a group that I have done just there and they're not the largest group I've worked with by any means, but they're extremely loyal. And I have done their lease probably seven different times. And it was always small, short-term renewals. I've done it seven different times. The repeat clients tell me that we're doing a good job because they're not going to hire me the next time or the next time if we don't do a good job. The ones that we've been fortunate to work with, you know, all across the United States, all across the world, those are the ones that are, are, are they're always going to be, you know, hold a soft place in, in your heart because you've been able to help them. But honestly and truly, it, it, it'd be difficult to tell you, hey, here's one group that we've done that with, because in theory, I want every single group that I work with to feel that way. I want them to say we made the right decision for our employees for our headcount, for our culture, for recruiting, for our distribution, for logistics, from a monetary standpoint. And, you know, that's, 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 that's positive and negative, you know. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes people need to get rid of space and we're full service. We'll help them to get rid of that space. You know, that's as long as it's the tenants, buyers, the users, the, the, the corporate side, that's in my sweet spot. And, and it'd be hard for me to limit it to one because in theory, I'd like everybody to feel that way. Correct. No, I think it's nice because it, it reinforces your why, like why you started this company to begin with. Uh, and those success stories, you know, you obviously have challenges, you have disappointment, you have deals that don't go through and it's frustrating. But I think every time you have a success story, it just kind of reinforces, hey, you know what? This gives me the mojo, the excitement, the enthusiasm to get through the low points because we are having success. We are having um, people that really appreciate the hard work, the time and the effort, the research we've done. And that's what I love about founders is because they just, they have this passion to start something, to fix it, to fill a void. And then when they help people fill their void, it's just a great, uh, it's a great story. And it's something that you create long-term relationships and uh, it's just a great, great feeling to know you, you help someone take their business to the next level because of something you help them with. Definitely. That's fantastic. Are there any questions I didn't ask, Grant, that you want to cover? Uh, maybe things are changing in the industry, things to look out for, maybe things to avoid, anything like that in the real estate space that you want to share with the audience? You know, things to look out for. I think that automation and AI are going to continue to be, well, I, don't, I think we're not even at the tip of the iceberg yet. I think they're going to be really massive Um game changers um, that are, are going to really disrupt everything that we know about real estate in, in a multitude of ways, um, both on the warehouse side, but also on the, the office side. Um, you know, 
things to keep in mind. I, I think that uh, I wouldn't count out the office sector yet. It, uh, you know, we're, there's a lot of, you know, I, I, markets are, are cyclical and where we are right now is very reminiscent of where we've been at other times uh, over the course of my career. And, and, you know, I just see so many similarities um, with different times um, that, that I've been through. And so, you know, I think watch out for AI automation. Um, but I, I would also say um, don't count out the human element too quickly. That's good to hear. I think a lot of people that are doing a lot of different jobs right now are hoping that their job still requires human elements. Because I think everyone feels a little bit threatened by AI. It, you know, can AI do what I do? Can they do it better, faster, cheaper than I can do it? Um, so I think the more pe people feel more confident and comfortable knowing that what they do requires a human element, and that's important. And there's no doubt about that. I think the, the human element, to a certain extent, becomes more and more critical. Um, you know, I understand that these avatars can demonstrate empathy now and um, can, can um, you know, be more and more realistic and, 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 and so forth. But, you know, I, I always think about just, you know, human beings and a human being, there is something that is unique about a human being that nothing else has. And, and quite frankly, when you had all the, the, the lockdowns, I, I realized how critical that human element was because I, I don't get that same thing via Zoom or via different pieces. There is something about the human element because so much of it is unspoken with humans. And, and quite frankly, not to get too morbid, but like, you know, if you've ever seen a dead body, a dead body is not a human. Um, there, there's an element that's missing to it. And, and you know, it's that, that spark of life that human beings have. And, and, and you know, it's, it's reciprocated when you're with other human beings. And so I just, I, 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 I think that's something that, I don't know, maybe it will, but I don't think in my lifetime that's going to be replaced. Yeah. I think there's lots of careers that'll be very safe, even once AI is full-blown. Uh, you just need people. You know, obviously there's, I think COVID has taught us there's a lot of things that computer technology can take over for us. And a lot of things that become automated, but I think there are several jobs out there in several industries that still need that human element to make it an enjoyable experience. Uh, no, and then sometimes it allows you to do the things you enjoy more or allows you to knock out the simple things that AI do that. And then the things are more complex or require more time more research, more uh, in-person treatment. I think it, maybe there's people who experience more of that instead of being with everybody else that like, is it kind of like going to the doctor, you know, you go to the doctor, he's there to see you because you got a cold, you have the flu, you have a disease, you have an infection, you have a broken bone, you got burned. I mean, there's lots of reasons to go see a doctor and maybe AI will help those that just need a prescription or just need to have their temperature taken or just need to, you know, some things can be simplified and can be moving along quickly. And some things are going to require a little more expertise and someone physically looking and doing tests and so on and so forth. So it'd be interesting to see how every industry is kind of 
broken down into what needs to be seen by a person and what can be taken care of by technology. So it's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll give you a great real, real world example of that. If you look at, since we were talking about e-commerce, e-commerce originally they said was going to kill the need for warehouse space because in theory, it was all going to come in and go out so quickly that you would never need to warehouse product. And, you know, you can go back and look, this is, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, however long ago it was. And it actually did the opposite. It exponentially increased the need for warehouse space, even though it was anticipated to kill the need for warehouse space. So I just, I don't think that we know how it's going to shake out. We don't know, you know, I can pontificate all day long and, and try my best to predict what it is, but I have no idea uh, until we get there. Right. Well, that's what makes it the future. You never know. Yes. Just keep uh, keep sharpening our skills, keep doing things that uh, have the core values and people know and like you and trust you. And I think your, uh, your job's a little safer. 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, very good, Grant. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I love the expertise. I love the knowledge you dropped on us today, and I love the fact that you're helping people all across the globe, uh, which is good because we do have listeners from all across the globe. They know that you can help them no matter where they live in the world. Uh, share with all the listeners how they can get a hold of you, whether it be your website, your social media handles, if you want to give out an email or phone number, whatever you feel comfortable giving out, yes. and what social media you're on, so they can find you there as well. Our website is whiteboxrealestate.com. Uh, you can uh, connect with us at contact at whiteboxrealestate.com. Uh, you can call our main line, 214-380-4540. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, most of the, the, the platforms. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I uh, hope you uh, continue success, continue growth, continue helping people find that ultimate space. And again, your main focus is representing tenants, buyers, and users for that uh, for commercial real estate. And you specify you specialize in office and warehouse space. So I appreciate you doing all that you do. And thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Cal Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. Are you looking for a great franchise opportunity? Well, you're in luck because Perky LLC is now ready to scale and grow all across the country. So if you're a fashion lover and you enjoy helping people put together outfits and look amazing, well, the Perky LLC franchise is for you. Check out the website franchising.perkyllc.com to learn more. And we will see you at the next location in a mall near you. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right, over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website's perkyllc.com. 
That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K as in Kangaroo, Y as in Yo-Yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's PerkyLLC.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at PerkyLLC.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out PerkyLLC.com for all these great fashion accessories, and innovative solutions.